So friends, let's take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word to us. Help us to understand it for today and to know your love for us. Amen. Amen. Friends, we're working through, as a church, this book, Transformed Life. Uh, and this week we're looking at week two. Um, if you're a visitor amongst us uh, and you haven't got a copy, or indeed uh, you haven't, for whatever reason, chosen to pick up a copy yet, there's copies at the back. Uh, and if you're a visitor, we'd love to give you a copy. Uh, everybody else, it's five pounds unless you can't afford it, um, or whatever reason. So, I love fish. My lo- wife loves flowers. We love each other. You love chocolate. You love wine. Yes, there she is. I'm sure there's others. Uh, You love the homeless. You love England's rugby team. Or perhaps the Welsh rugby team. Or the Irish rugby team. Or the Scottish rugby team. But anyway, um, you love God. Love, then. Have you ever loved someone so much that you think your heart is going to break? That you've lost sleep over their relationship? Have you ever loved and lost? Have you chosen sometimes not to express your love? Have you loved someone who doesn't or can't love you back? I found a video clip this week from a, a rabbi on this subject, so let's have a listen to that now. Why are you eating that fish? And he says, because I love fish. He says, oh, you love the fish. That's why you took it out of the water and killed it and boiled it. He said, don't tell me you love the fish. You love yourself. And because the fish tastes good to you, therefore, you took it out of the water and killed it and boiled it. So much of what is love, right, is fish love. Right? And so... Young couple falls in love. Young man and young woman fall in love. What does that mean? That means that he saw in this woman someone who he felt could provide him with all of his physical and emotional needs. And she saw in this man somebody she feels that she can write. That was love. But each one is looking out for their own needs. It's not love for the other. The other person becomes a vehicle for, for my gratification. Too much of what is called love is fish love. An external love is not on what I'm going to get, but what I'm going to give. We had an ethicist, Rabbi Dessler, who said, people make a serious mistake in thinking that you give to those whom you love. And the answer is, the real answer is, you love those to whom you give. And his point is, if I give something to you, I've invested myself in you. And since self-love is a given, everybody loves themselves, now that part of me has become in you, there's part of me in you that I love. So true love is a love of giving, not a love of receiving. So today we touch on something of the love of God for us. And it summed us in the phrase, in Christ. I am in Christ, and he is in me. But how does that work? How does God love me, you? I think it comes to that thing about external love. 
Let me repeat it for you. If I give something to you, I have invested myself in you. And since self-love is a given, now that a part of me has become in you, so there's a part of me in you that I love. No wonder Jesus said it's better to give than receive. But let's read that from God's perspective. Let's put God into that picture. If God gives something to you, then God has invested himself in you, and now a part of God has become in you, so there is a part of God in you that he loves. That's that sentence reworked. And the thing is with God is that he doesn't just love the bit of himself that's in us. He loves the whole of us because he made us in his image to start with. He made us and he loves us for who we are. And when we turn to him, he puts a bit of himself in us. That is his Holy Spirit. So being in Christ brings us a whole heap of amazing things which we're about to look at. Uh, And remember that in all this, we are in Christ because he loves us and chooses to accept us and chooses to put his spirit in us. Before we get into that, I just want to recognize that as a church, we're not just looking at transformed lives for individuals, but as a church, we are in the midst of a quite serious transformation. You cannot have escaped your notice that we've moved back to having one service on a Sunday morning. That's in preparation for us enabling some people to go to be part of St. John's Church in Chatham. It's because we want others to know what it means to be in Christ that we're wanting to enable a, a lively witness to God's love to exist in Chatham Town Centre. Similarly, it's because we want others to know the love of Christ that we're about to launch this community choir, the Waldersleid Sings. Um, If you're active on Facebook, you'll have seen some of the publicity come out this week, uh, and the website will go live uh, in the next week or so. And that's very much about saying we want the community, those who live around here, to be able to have friendships, yes, with each other, but also with some of us who come to church. And so out of that love for others, we choose to run that. And yes, there's knock-on effects for how we do church on a Sunday night, and we haven't quite decided how that's going to move forward. But it's because of that sense of saying, this is such an amazing thing that we are in Christ, that we want to enable others to know what that is too. So being in Christ. Let's look first at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 which is effectively the memory verse, the theme verse for the week. In Christ, then, I have been blessed. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So there's a sense in which when we say to each other, be blessed, it's more live in the blessing that we already have. Because God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Because we are in Christ. Because Christ is in us. Because God loves us. You'll soon see that in Christ is 
the two words for this morning. So what has God done for us? Paul, in these next verses, unpacks what it means for us to be eternally blessed. We start with looking backwards. We look at eternity past. We're going to look at the present, and then we're going to look ahead to the future. So we can say that in Christ, I have been chosen. For God chose us in him, in Christ, before the creation of the world. So that we might be holy and blameless in his sight. God chose you before he made the world. That's pretty good, isn't it? God sat outside of time before he even started time off and said, this is what I'm going to do. And he imagined that future that meant that in this year you would exist and on this morning you would be in this building. And he chose you to be holy and blameless in his sight. To be somebody who, if you like, is like God. God himself is holy. God himself is blameless. And he wants us to be like him. But he chose us in Christ. Because he loves us. We can also say that in Christ, I have been adopted next verse looks at that. In love, it says, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In love, he predestined us, and he's given us grace in the one he loves, in Jesus. Now, Ruth mentioned a little bit about sonship this morning. Um, The point of it being sons is that only sons inherited from their parents. Back in the day, daughters didn't inherit anything. So there wasn't much point being a daughter in that sense. Yes, it was, you know, all that stuff about marriage and childbirth and all the rest of it. But but in terms of inheritance, you needed to be a son. And so what we have here is that in God's love for us, He predestined, he decided in advance that we would be adopted into God's family. Not just adopted in any old way, but adopted to be people who would inherit the fullness of the kingdom. Meaning we would be people who would go to heaven and spend eternity, or well, maybe heaven would come to earth. We'll talk about that later. Um, uh, But we would be part of the fullness of God's glory. And he's freely given that to us through Jesus. So we've been chosen, we've been blessed, we've been adopted in Christ. We've become one of the family, if you like. We share the ups and downs of family life, the privileges and the responsibilities. And actually family life is a kind of what we're expressing here on Sundays. We are part of this particular congregation, this particular outworking of the people of God in this place. And there will be ups and downs. There will be things that happen that you're not particularly on board with. 
But together, we want to grow in our understanding of God. We want to understand and to be part of, of the family of God. And so put those two together and you recognize that if God chose us before he made the world and he's, adopt, and he's willing to adopt us into his family, then actually God always wanted you. God always wanted you to be part of his family. And I think that's really quite special. Particularly if we're from backgrounds where there isn't that kind of human element of being wanted, perhaps. But God wanted us. God wants us to be part of his family. And I I just think that's amazing. And it's possible because of Christ. Because we are in Christ. So we can say that in Christ, yes, we have been adopted. But also we have been redeemed. Those verses go on. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Just think for a moment of what it means that God chooses to forgive us all of our rebellion. All of the times when we've lived as if he doesn't exist. All of the times when we've been outright rebellious of his ways. God chooses to enable us to be part of his family. And in doing so, he does not hold our past or our present or our future sins against us. Possible because of, we have redemption through his blood. That is the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. Jesus died that we might have life. And all that is possible, is in accordance, is in line with the riches of God's grace. Do you feel lavished upon today? I hope so. I fear we often live as if we don't though. But redemption is an interesting word, isn't it? We have been redeemed. I don't think I dare ask, but I suspect some of you use a pawn shop occasionally. Or used to. Or go to cash converters or somewhere like that. And you take your stuff in and you're told, at least traditionally, you know, I'll give you whatever, 50 pounds for your ring. And if you want it back, it'll be 55 pounds next weekend. Well, 65 maybe. You can redeem it back if you pay extra money. And God has redeemed us from, from what? From a life of sin, from a life apart from Christ. In order that we might be in Christ. But God has paid that price for us. We haven't had to earn it. And again, I just find that amazing. That God is the one who sorts it all out for us. We haven't got to work at this. We need to just bask in the glory that we are called to be in Christ. 
and two, to discover what that means. That we are free, we are forgiven in Christ. Now, in Christ, we also need to say that we know things. We are known as well. In Christ I know. Verse 8 has it that with, or perhaps in, all wisdom and understanding, he, God, made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. So in Christ I know, or I have he made known to us the mystery of his will. We'll talk about what the mystery is at the moment. But just notice that God knows you. He knows all about you, and he still chooses to love you. In Christ, God chooses to reveal himself to us. Let's move on. Um, God made known to us the mystery of his will, which is to be put into effect, the next verse, um, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. That is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So in Christ, I am part of something much, much bigger than me. Much, much bigger than this church. Much, much bigger than pretty much anything we can imagine. Because actually in Christ, part of Christ's what will happen is that everything in heaven and on earth will be united under Christ. You think of that picture that we get in Revelation, the last book of the Bible, where we have the new heaven and the new earth. And that sense of the dwelling place of God is with humans. So eventually, we will not say, we will not have to guess, what is it really like in heaven? We'll not have to rely on those pictures that we get of the angels falling at the the throne of Christ. We'll be there, we'll be part of it. And everything that will then exist will exist and bring glory to God. It will be under Christ, under the rule, the reign, the magnificence of Christ. And that's the mystery of God's will. And eventually it will be put into effect, it says, when the times reach their fulfillment. Basically when God decides that Jesus is coming back. When the last judgment happens, when um, this earth, as we know it, will be wound up. That there will eventually be unity. Notice that's a future thing. And don't stress that it isn't necessarily part of the present. Unity of all things. So in Christ... Not only am I part of something much, much bigger, but I have been chosen. In him, it says, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. We kind of said this before, haven't we? But it comes back again at this point in the passage. We have been chosen in him, in Christ. You have been chosen to be in Christ. Will you live up to that? And then we get an interesting pair of verses that reminds us that actually we, those who are in Christ 
aren't just Jews but also Gentiles. So Paul, right, right in, verse, in the next verse, recognizes that he is in Christ. Or, or he and whoever else wrote Ephesians. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. So that's a little bit from Paul going, hey guys, we're in Christ as well. But then he goes on and says, actually guys, you're also in Christ. Hence the next verse. In, in Christ is not just for Paul and by extension Jews, but also for Gentiles, non-Jews. So being in Christ is for Gentiles too. And it goes on, you also were included in Christ. And I have to say, I find this next end of the verse quite challenging. You were included when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you heard. Now I think Paul's meaning heard and responded to, but he's not very clear here. For me, I go back to the end of Matthew 7 where Jesus talks about the contrast between the wise and the foolish builders. And the only difference is that one lot heard and the other lot heard and responded rightly to God's lot, to God, to, to the teaching. And in a sense, that goes on. But we were included in Christ when we heard the message of truth. Have we truly heard the message of truth? Have you responded to it? Do you understand that actually God loves us for who we are? Not for what we've done. Do you understand that God offers us salvation? Life without end with him. That starts today. That starts at the moment we say our yes to God. Starts at the moment when we say, God, I've lived as if you don't exist. And I'm sorry and I want to change. Because that verse goes on. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession and to the praise of his glory. So we can say that in Christ we have security and a certain future. And notice that there are two elements here. You were marked in him with a seal. Think for a moment of, you know, the old style of writing a letter and then if you want to send it to somebody, you, you kind of melt some wax over where the, the, the edge of the, the scroll comes. And, and then you put your seal on this thing. And you could be sure then that whoever was getting your letter, nobody else had read it before it got to them. Unless the seal had been broken, of course. And so there is that sense in which, which Paul is saying that when we believed, we were sealed in Christ. Jesus, God said, you're mine. That's it. You're in. And he did that sealing by sending God's promised Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God to live in us. Not just as a seal, not just as a deposit, but helping us to respond rightly to God's love. And I find that just amazing. That God doesn't just go, hey, here's a package, take it or leave it. He goes, here's my love. And if you respond to my love, I'll help you to respond. And so, we're marked with a seal. That is the promised Holy Spirit. And the promised Holy Spirit is also a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. So, one way to think about it is to say, okay, so 
at the last judgment, what we read is that those whose names are in the book of life will spend eternity with God in heaven, and those who aren't, won't. And so, if God has already decided that he accepts us, we are acceptable to him, and put his spirit in us, then he's not going to change his mind one day in the future. Because he's already put his spirit in us, a part of himself. He's already begun to live with us for eternity. It's just that the way that that living will happen will change eventually. And whose inheritance is it, is an interesting question. Is our inheritance that we will go to be, or we will be with God in heaven? Or another way of thinking about that is to say that actually we are Christ's inheritance. If, as it were, Jesus took one for the team, team Trinity, that is, and died so that we might have life, And then nobody goes, hey, that was a great idea. Thank you very much. That's not much of an inheritance that Jesus died for in order that others might join him. But actually, already on this world, I think it's somewhere in the region of two billion people, recognize Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so together you could argue that we form Christ's inheritance, that actually, eventually, we will all spend eternity with God in heaven. And that's part of the benefit to Jesus of him dying. That's kind of all the way around thinking about it. But, you know, either way you think about it, our inheritance is we go to heaven. Christ's inheritance is that we get to go to live with him. Because... We're a deposit, and you all know about deposits, don't you? You know, you've bought a car or something and said, here we go, here's 10% deposit. It's mine, you're not going to sell it to anybody else, but I haven't paid the full price yet. But the spirit then is a deposit guaranteeing, so if you like, we get a small part of God guaranteeing that eventually we will be full-time, not full-time, but fully, fully with God in heaven. We are God's possession. And we are to live to the praise of his glory. Hallelujah, friends. Um, and that way of thinking about Christ's inheritance is one, it, it could, you could link that back to the beginning where we started and say, actually, if we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, then in order to receive fully that fullness of God's blessing, we need to be in the heavenly realms. We're going to be in the heavenly realms when we receive the fullness of of that blessing of God. But actually we're called to be people who still live on this earth. God has a purpose for not saying, great, you've accepted my love for you, right, off to heaven you go, straight away. Because actually it's a risk, isn't it, for God? Because some of his people are frankly not hugely great advocates, witnesses to God's love. But we're called to be part of that sense of people who, 
who are witnesses to the world about just what it means to live in Christ. We're called to be people who... if you like, are more in Christ than in the world. And I wonder whether actually, for some of us, we need to rediscover the benefits, the reality of what our life in Christ and with Christ means. So I wonder whether this week we need to take time to be reminded of the amazing situation we're in, that we are in Christ. And friends, if you're not in Christ, then get sorted, please. Say your yes to God. Say to God that you want to spend your eternity with him. I'd like us to stand and read this verse. Because I think it's helpful for us to be reminded... And to be reminded that it starts with praise be to God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That actually that's what we live for. We live to give praise to God. So we'll say it from beginning to end without the Bible reference, because I think you know it by now. Um, and let's give it some welly. So praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. To live it out, friends. Amen.